Welcome to Pendleton Center Church, and have a good day. Good morning, everyone. I am so thankful that you're here and made it safely. Uh, we appreciate we appreciate that, and um, we welcome you uh, this morning to a wonderful service of worship. We pray that you'll join us with our call to worship. This is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. That the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, come and fill us with your presence. Help us to experience you and to worship you boldly. We pray that this service of worship will be a blessing to you. May everything we say, everything that we do, everything that we sing, sing your praises and bring you glory. For it's in Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to invite you all to stand if you're able as we sing together, O Spirit of the Living God. Spirit 
I like to help people who came like me. I left Bhutan when I was two or three years old. And then I lived in Nepal in a refugee camp for almost 19 years. It feels great because I received the same service and then I'm doing the same for others. So when I help them, I feel like uh, I, I remember my past. Journey's End is one of the um, missions that we support in this church. There's lots of information about it in your bulletin if you want to read about that. And um, there is a clipboard going around uh, where you can, you can sign up to be a part of the Journey's End ministries. In addition, I think there's one going around for First Church for the dinner, and there's one big clipboard that is that's got to make it all the way around to everybody. It's about bulletins and altar flowers and things like that. So make sure that that big clipboard that there's only one of makes it all the way around. There's a lot of space in between. I don't know. I think you all ought to move in and up, but I'll leave that to your discretion. I am blessed and pleased to be back from Israel. Um, I'm, I'm loving that there's snow, I know, but I'm loving that there's snow because there has been so little of it um, over, you know, the, the holidays and whatnot. It was a wonderful trip. You'll be hearing more about it. Um, we visited many places different from the places that I went on the trip last year with the bishop um, and the, the Upper New York Annual Conference. One of the places um, we, we want to keep the people of Syria in our prayers. We did take a drive all the way up into the Golan Heights and went to the Syrian border and spoke with um, a man who had been working until he retired a couple of months ago with the um, IDF in helping the Syrian people to um, be able to continue to have the health care and food that they need. Um, it's very, very interesting, and I will make a time when you can hear about that. What joys do you have? I also am very, very grateful that Pastor Sherry made it back from Cuba safe. She's, all, she's back too, so everyone has returned. Um, what blessings do you have to share this morning? I know you must have some. Nobody's thankful for anything. Louis is. It's 
Snow, snow plow guys, yes. The guys, the guys who get up in the middle of the night and plow through everything. It's awesome. Other, other Thanksgivings. Yes. Sixty-three personal care bags that the Angel Wings kids made. Awesome. That is amazing. God bless them. God bless them for their for their just their their open hearts and their willingness to help. Isn't it wonderful that they can learn from such an early age to really be servants of God? Any other praises to lift up this morning? Well, I know you we're safe, we're warm, we're here. We're going to pray for all those folks who are at home that they will be blessed as well. And let's return our gifts, tithes, and offerings to the Lord just as a testimony to all that God has done for us.
Dear Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks and praise for this day, for the opportunity to gather together and worship you. We are so grateful, Lord God, for all the blessings you pour out into our lives, and we ask that you would bless this offering that we give back to you. Give us wisdom to know how to best use it for the furtherance of your kingdom, that many would come to salvation in Jesus Christ, and bless the ministry and the work of Journey's End, that they may be a blessing to all those who are in need of what you have called them to provide. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> and we do have a couple of concerns to lift up um, before you. Waylon Worthington um, is in Children's Hospital. He's three years old. He's having some serious health concerns, and we want to keep him in our prayers. Sally Reed is back at Buffalo General. Um, she is um, having some trouble with recurrence of the cancer and, and a, lot of, a lot of other health issues that are going on with her. So we want to keep her and her family in our prayers. Um, Luann and Jim Bannis both have surgery tomorrow, and we're going to keep them lifted up and their families as well. And the Grant family have had a house fire. Um, they are not likely going to be returning to their house anytime soon. It's going to be um, at least a couple or three, maybe more months um, before they'll be back. They, at this point, um, Pastor Sherry's been in touch with them. They have what they need. They're in a place where they're warm and safe and able to take care of themselves. I'm sure they appreciate your prayers, and if you want to keep in touch with them, I know that they would be grateful for that as well. Um, what concerns do you have to lift up to the Lord this morning? Becky. Okay. Prayers for Howard with pancreatic cancer and who doesn't have a lot of time left. All right, thank you. We will lift that up. Any others? Yes. Alex is having surgery this week. Sue and Pete's son, Alex, is having surgery. We want to keep him lifted up as well. Thank you. Thank you, Sue. Any others this morning? Oh, with these concerns and those are that are on your heart that you haven't lifted up out loud. Um, whether you join me from your seats or at the rail, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, what a blessing it is this day to be called your children. That knowing that you call us your children we may come before you with those concerns that are upon our hearts. Even as we have come with thanksgivings before you, knowing that you rejoice with us when we rejoice, you also desire to hear our concerns. As you mourn with us when we mourn, you are sad when we are sad, you are concerned when we are concerned. Lord, we take this time now and lift up all of those who are sick and infirm. Those with cancers, Lord. Oh, Father, we pray in Jesus' name that cancer cells would die where they are in Jesus' name. 
that they would be kept from reproducing and from mutating and from doing all those things that cancer cells do that cause people to be sick, that cause people to die. We know, Lord God, that your people are always held in the palm of your hand. That you are with each and every one of us no matter what it is that we're going through in this world. But we pray in Jesus' name and ask for healing. We pray for those who are going to be enduring surgeries, Lord God. We pray for the doctors and the nurses, for the surgeons, for the anesthetists, for all those who will be caring for them. We ask that they would have wisdom beyond their learning, beyond any experience that they may have. We ask that they would be able to do what is needed for each person according to your leading and guidance. We pray for children who are sick, Lord God, for their families. We just ask in Jesus' name that you be with each and every one. Keep them safe, Lord. Father, we pray for those who have experienced losses. There are all kinds of losses, Lord God, losses of those that we love who have gone on from this life, losses of employment and, and ways <clears throat> of making a living in this world, and the concern and, and even fear that comes with that, not knowing for sure what will happen. We pray for those, Lord God, who have lost things that are important to them. Lord God, in particular, those who have lost homes. We ask, Father God, that you would bless each and every one. We ask, Lord God, that you would draw near to each one. Let them know your presence. Let them know your grace and your mercy. Let them know that your love never fails them and that you are with them even in the darkest of times. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name as we continue on with our worship that we would be transformed, that you would make us, Lord, into vessels that may be your light in this world, that may bear your love to all we encounter. We pray in Jesus' name that as we sing songs of praise, as we pray, as we hear your word spoken, that you will teach us how to be more like Jesus. That it's not by our own might or our own power that we are able to accomplish your work in this world, but that it is by your Spirit. So fill us afresh, Lord, with your Holy Spirit this day as we go on through this time of worship, that we might be servants that draw many to your saving grace. Be with Pastor Sherry as she delivers the message you have given her for us today. Let it be a blessing to her and to us, and may all of our worship be a blessing to you this morning. That is why we came. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shall we hear from the word of the Lord? Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But one after me comes who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Bill. So I'm back from Cuba to this. No, Pastor Lisa is excited about this. (laughs) I'm not. Cuba was nice and warm, but uh, I had somebody said, oh, Cuba, there's a great restaurant there. It's like, no, Cuba, the communist country I went to. And um, I was very excited to go and very nervous to go. I knew no Spanish whatsoever. And um, 
there was a group that was going from Dayton, Ohio, because was, this was for school that I was doing this, and I was flying from Buffalo alone going to a communist country where I speak no Spanish, completely alone. Do you hear the anxiety? Okay. <laughs> and um, when I got there, I couldn't figure out what was going on. It was so packed. We were like on top. Of, we were squished in with each other. And there were so many people in this terminal. And there were two places where the bags were coming out. And I tried to ask them, which one my bags would be coming out, and they basically said, you don't know, check them both all the time. I'm like trying to go back and forth between the two and figuring out where my bags were, and, and in the meantime, I'm trying to get, I'm not seeing my bags at all, and I'm not knowing what I'm doing, and I'm stuck in the airport for a long time because my bags were not coming out, and I kept trying to figure out what was going on, and I, I was stuck. I was really stuck. You know, the Israelites at the time of this story were stuck as well. It was as if they were heading on a great journey with God, but they were stuck in the airport. And they were just stuck in a ritual-based religion as opposed to going off to the great adventure that God had actually set out for them. You see, at the time, they had these things called mikvahs, and they were um, these basins, big basins of water that with... Um, built out of stone, and they would go in by themselves, and they would step into it, and they'd immerse themselves in water and come out. And it was a ceremony. It was a ritual for purification. And they would do this for um, any time that they were ceremonially unclean. They would go in and get immersed in the waters. And John comes along with a totally new idea. John comes along dressed like a prophet, He's received as a prophet. He's speaking as a prophet. And he's doing this baptism thing in the Jordan, which I saw the Jordan in Israel when I went. I've always thought, the Jordan. No, think Tanawanda Creek. That's about the size of it. It was about the size, you know, it's that type of atmosphere, Tanawanda Creek. But he's in the Jordan, and he's baptizing. And he's taking... First of all, the, na- the word baptize means to wash. So they're calling him John the baptizer, meaning he's John, the guy who washes people. That's what they're saying about him. They're calling him John the, the, who washes people. And he's doing it very, very publicly for everybody to see. And he's the first person ever to actually baptize another person where people would have to come and submit and surrender and be baptized by him. And it was a baptism of repentance. It was a baptism of spiritual renewal, not just ceremonial ritual, which explains why John's response to the Sadducees and the Pharisees was so intense. He said, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Repentance, again, means turn around. You know, if if you're a a changed person, if you're a transformed person, you're heading in the way of God. And he's saying, I'm not seeing any of that fruit in you. Produce fruit in keeping with the repentance. Otherwise, you can say you're repenting all you want, but you're not. Say, keep, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you, you can say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. You see, what was going on with that is they were saying, well, hey, I'm all I'm all good. I'm following the rules. I am an Israelite by birth. 
I've got this heritage. I'm covered. I'm good. I don't have to do any of this stuff. I don't have to have a changed life. I just have to survive and be because I've got Abraham as my father. So do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And so he's talking about repentance. And with repentance is confession. And people are coming confessing their sins. And he talks about the winnowing fork of the Holy Spirit and burning away the shaft. Basically, they would have wheat and they'd have a winnowing fork that would lift up the wheat. They'd throw it up in the air. And then they'd gather in all the wheat, which was the good stuff, and all the chaff is the bad stuff. And that would be taken away and that would be burned. And that's what John is saying we need to do with our lives. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to separate out. This is the good stuff that we'll keep. This is the good stuff of God. This is the shaft, and you need to get rid of that. And so he's saying you need to surrender to God. You need to surrender completely and have a spiritual renewal. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. He was preparing the way for the Lord, for Jesus, but John's main message wasn't, was repent. It was repent because of the message of the kingdom of heaven. You see, repenting is in response. The kingdom of heaven is coming near, and repenting is in response to that. You come in contact with Almighty God, and your heart is supposed to transform and change in response to that glory in response to the good news. And so the kingdom of God was near. Jesus was coming. And Jesus went to be baptized by John. And when I first heard about that, I was like, what? Wait a minute. But John's was a baptism of repentance, and Jesus was sinless, so how does that work? But he had no need for repentance, and he knew it, and John knew it. They actually had this little thing back and forth saying, you know, John saying, Yo, I, I'm, not, I'm not ready for this. I'm, I'm fit about to be your slave. That's what the um, illustration about the sandals are. You know, I, I would not fit to f- carry the sandals. I'm about ready to be your slave. I can't do this. I have no authority over you. You are way up here, Jesus. And Jesus is like, no, this is important. This is to fulfill all righteousness, and it's proper. See, he underwent baptism in order to identify with John's announcement of God's day of righteousness. John's call to repentance has little to do with the guilt that causes us to wallow in despair. Repentance for John was a call to action. Repentance is not to feel bad, but to think differently and therefore to act differently. Renew your heart, renew your mind, which leads to actions, which leads to a transformed life. And Jesus models for us the expectation. The expectation where he completely surrendered to God's will, fulfilling all righteousness, the law, the prophets. It ushered in his ministry. It was a public proclamation that John's message was true to the point where Jesus' disciples from that point out started to baptize in the same way with the baptism of repentance. And he was identifying with humanity with radical humility and complete surrender. 
It's a perfect picture of what God calls us to do. Complete surrender to God's will for our lives, which leads to the heavens opening, the Holy Spirit coming upon us so we can live boldly into the mission of God, God calling us one of his own. The kingdom of heaven is here, is here. And yet the church in the United States seems to be stuck in the airport. I know it's a broad-based thing, and I'm sorry for that because I know there are many that are spirit-filled, but for the most part, the church in the United States is stuck in the airport. We started, we started and we're just stuck. And there are things that are holding us back from going on the complete adventure that God has for us, the complete transformation, the things that God has called us to. There are things that are blocking. What was blocking me in the airport? I couldn't find my baggage. It took well over an hour to get my baggage. I had no idea the language. I very quickly learned afterwards, lo siento means I'm sorry, because that's what I felt like I was saying nonstop. There were customs to go through where they were interrogating me, and I wasn't allowed to go out, and the people that wanted to help me couldn't come in, and there were all these blocks keeping me from going out into Cuba, which is where I went, wanted to go in the first place. And there are things blocking us in the church. Lots of things blocking us in the church. First thing I think is that we intellectualize our faith. In fact, we intellectualize it and make it into a religion. We put, you know, our, our brains in action and our faith is, is su- suppressed. And we have sin. And we nurture pain and resentment and bitterness the things that will all block us from fully experiencing God's promise for us. And so we have to make it through the gate. Jesus is the gate. And we have to make it through that by identifying all these blocks and getting through all of that stuff. I finally found the right gate. I found my bags after a ridiculously long time. I walked out of the airport, and it's not like here where you walk out of the terminal and there's like, you know, this big area where everybody's gathered. You walk outside, and swarms of people, all speaking Spanish, (laughs) and, and I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I am so incredibly lost. I don't, and I said, walk out. All of a sudden, there's... Um, Pastor Guillermo, who I've never met before, so I had no idea who I was even looking for, and he's got his cell phone up there, and he's got it scrolling across, Sherry Mahar, Sherry Mahar, and he's just holding it up here like this, because they had been looking for me for an hour and a half, assuming the worst, you know, they had no idea, and they're kind of, I was lost and I didn't know it. Does that sound like our churches? lost and we don't even know it. I was lost and I didn't even know it. And I looked out and it was like, oh, hey, that's me. And he was like, Sherry. And I later found out they said I was famous. They had been shouting my name for hours. They just shouting my name and shouting my name and looking for me. And they were all concerned and wanting me so desperately to come out of the airport so that we could have this great adventure together. And we did. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I can't even scratch the surface in telling you all the things that are happening in the churches in Cuba where they are fully surrendered to God. People are healed. The last 
day that we were there, the last worship service. I mean, we're, we're, every single time, people are worshiping with complete abandon and complete joy, and we're dancing, and we're praising, and, and we're just amening all over the place because these people have not made God a, a little portion of their life. God is their life, and all the rest of this stuff is peripheral. And every single service, we were praying, and people were getting healed, and people were getting slain in the Spirit, and demons were getting cast out. And... You know, I, I, I can see the, the intellectual part just slapping on you right there. It's like demons, yes, demons being cast out. This is a supernatural faith. Demons are real. And as we prayed for people and demons came out with shrieks and convulsions and they're real and we have to fight it. When we talk about spiritual warfare, this is real. People were healed People who were in pain had no more pain. One woman came in, uh, she was very elderly, and she came in all hunched over and could barely walk. She had a cane. They got her a chair really quickly. She was prayed over, and she got up, and she walked around as if nothing was wrong and had no more use for her cane. And there was one man who, he came up at the end with tears in his eyes, and he grabbed the microphone because he just wanted to testify and proclaim God's glory because he had had a an accident several years before where he had been hit in the head with a hammer and he lost his sight. He was completely blind in the one eye and the other eye he could only see if he looked up like this and he could see just a little sliver and that was it. And he said, I was blind and now I see. I was completely healed. And he's praising God and his wife. She comes running to the front grabbing onto him, sobbing in joy, and throws herself at the altar, just praising God. We haven't scratched the surface in our churches. There is so much more, so much more. But the only way that we can actually get to the point where we are living a full spirit-filled life, being in complete communion with the Holy Spirit, is if we are in complete surrender surrender. And we have to make a choice in that. We have to partner with the Holy Spirit and live boldly into the mission of God as if the heavens open because the heavens open. And we have worship with abandon, incredible joy, and we live that way. When the heavens opened, it's the Trinity. We have Jesus there living as complete surrender. Our gate to promise. And the Holy Spirit descends like a dove and rested upon him, just like the Holy Spirit does for us. And the Father says, this is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. His identity is revealed as the Son of God. And when the heavens are open for us, we too receive our identity as God says to us, you are my Son. You are my daughter. You are my child, child of mine, whom I love, and I am well pleased. It's a perfect picture for us. Jesus agreeing with the need for humanity to repent and in full surrender to God's will. He says, you're a child of God. You and you and you and you and you and me. A child of God Almighty partnering with the Holy Spirit. And in that way, and only in that way, can we produce good fruit. 
fruit in keeping with repentance. So fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And these are things that can only be given through the Holy Spirit. You can't just do it. And people say, well, you know, I, I accepted Christ, and so I've got the Holy Spirit in me, and so I'm all good, right? Wrong. Whatever you feed will grow. Whatever you feed will grow. And so we have to be in complete surrender and make sure we are feeding, feeding our relationship with God, feeding our commitment to God, feeding our complete surrender to God, and making sure that whatever's been blocking us is cast out. The kingdom of heaven is here through Jesus Christ. It's not a distant God somewhere out there. It's not a story of Jesus dying for our sins, resulting in forgiveness, and then that's the end of the story. You know, the Cuban church is praying for the churches in the United States. They're praying fervently for us. We say, what do you mean they're praying for us? I mean, this country, this communist, oppressed country that has very little food, they have no clean drinking water. They have their homes falling apart. Some of it looked like bombs going off. And they're praying for us. They're praying for us because they see that within our churches, we need the Spirit to live fully. That we have intellectualized and, and put boundaries and borders up around the Spirit so much that we're practicing a religion instead of living a faith. In the Cuban church, people were so on fire for God, they were packed into the brim to the point where there was no room to be there. And people were coming along the sides of the church and worshiping through the window. And we went out to the streets and we were praying with them on the streets, and people were sobbing, and over 50 people gave their lives to Christ in one day. I said I have to come up with a better word, but all I keep saying is, wow. Wow. It's like, wow. I, I, I have no other way to describe it. It's like when somebody who has accepted Christ, but it has, hasn't ever experienced the Holy Spirit before, the first time they experience the Holy Spirit falling on them, and they just say, wow, yeah, yeah, this is real, there is more, and we need to get there, don't be stuck in the airport, there is so much more for us, our lives should proclaim the good news of the gospel in complete transformation, and so what we knew to need to do to do that, we need to completely surrender. Completely surrender to God's wills will never be the same again. We need to examine how surrendered are we? How completely surrendered are we? What fraction are we not surrendered? Because anything and all of that will keep us from living into the fullness of God. And so we have to live a life that's sifted we have to keep the wheat, burn off the chaff, and say, Lord, I am here. Holy Spirit, fill me, because I know I'm a child of God, and I'm going to walk in this fullness. I'm going to walk in this power and presence of God. 
like to invite you to a prayer of confession along with me. Lord, I'm a sinner. I need your grace. Forgive my sins. Reveal my brokenness. Examine my life. Show me the shaft. Help me to surrender completely to your will. Break down any strongholds and fill me with your spirit that I may proclaim your glory with my very life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The next day, John the Baptist said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that's exactly what he does. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Amen. We will never be the same again.
thirst for God's righteousness, for God's power, for God's glory in our life. job as a community of believers is also to encourage this. It means we're encouraging one another in seeking the Spirit, encouraging one another in growing in our faith, and also holding one another accountable, which is a terrifying word in our culture. But we do. We hold each other accountable, and we encourage one another, and we lift each other up as we lift up God and receive glory because we're a community of faith together. 
So as we prepare for the table of grace, let's greet one another in our church family with the peace of the Holy Spirit.
God loved us so much that he surrendered all for us. He gave us his son. He gave us his son so that we could be reunited with him. What a blessing that is. What a wonderful, wonderful thing to realize how much God has done, how much God has given to us. When we come to the table as God has invited us, we come surrendering all in our hearts, but it truly is only God who can make us able to receive what God has for us. We choose to come, freely to come, but it's God's grace in our lives that makes us able to receive. So when you come, come knowing that God wants to meet you. Come knowing that God is the one who wants to bless you with the grace you need to do all things that he has called you to do, to be able to truly surrender all to him. That grace comes from him. Come to the table. Everyone is welcome. If you love God, repent of your sin, and seek to live in peace as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are welcome at the table. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Before the mountains were brought forth or you had formed the earth, from everlasting to everlasting, you alone are God. You created light out of darkness and brought forth life on the earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn, Holy Holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ, in whom you have revealed yourself, our light and our salvation. In his baptism and in table fellowship, he took his place with sinners. Your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people by the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection. You gave birth to your church delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread and he gave thanks to you. He broke the bread and gave it to his disciples. He said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
And when the supper was over, he took the cup. Again, he gave you thanks and praise and gave it to his disciples, saying, drink from this, all of you. This is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here. And on these gifts of bread and wine, make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, All honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Shall we pray together with the confidence of children of God, the prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Will those who are serving this morning please come forward.
table is ready. Come, expecting to receive the grace God has poured out for you. Light a candle as a symbol of your prayer. Stop at the rail for anointing with oil or prayer, whatever it is that you are in need of. Come and meet with the Lord. He's here for you. He calls you.
people who are hungry and thirsty for the righteousness of God go in God's glory and live a life transformed as a witness to him. Go in peace. Amen.